this coming Sunday, please don't forget that it's, it's our Friends Day. Invite someone, and I think you have your invitation inserted on our bulletin, so please pass those along. We spend money for printing, so just invite someone, okay? And I think my wife said that you will get a reward. I don't know if it's a house and lot or what, but uh, <laughs> you will have a reward if you brought someone. Uh, and also, I would like to thank uh, Brother uh, Robert and Brother uh, Randy for fixing all these things. Okay, so have you noticed that it's more, it's more spacious? Okay, it's on the side. It's not over on my head anymore. So don't worry that, you know, I will bump my head on this television. And you look behind, it's very colorful. Okay, so of course, that's uh, courtesy of Brother Randy and Brother Robert. They even climb in this attic. And it's, it's so hot. Arizona, yesterday it's 117. Okay, and, and <laughs> by the way, uh, God is good always, amen. And, 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 and that reminder this morning, that beautiful song reminds us of indeed who we are in Christ. And this morning we will be talking about the last seven great saying, I am saying of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and I really do want you to pay attention in this last saying of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because if you are a Christian for how many years, and you long to be a fruitful one, one that will grow and mature in faith, this message is for you. And so I invite you to please rise as we give respect to the reading of the Word of God, found in John chapter 15, beginning verse 1 up to verse 8 only. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every, every branch that bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in, my, in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me? I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask, what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Father, give us an attentive heart today, a listening heart. These are your words, O Lord. And I pray, Father, that your words accomplish its purpose in our uh, lives. For us, Lord, to grow more, be like you, and Lord, be a good witness into this dark world. And so, Father, I pray that you use your word today to shape us into the image and likeness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that if uh, there is any disturbances in our hearts today, help us to focus on you alone, focus on your word. I know, Lord, our enemy wants us to be distracted. But Father, today, we want that you give us a heart that is in tune in you, in line in you, and just focused on you. And so, Father, I pray that you uh, bless your words today. For this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 
in the town of Gilbert, where we live today, uh, is a town in which used to be a farming town. So in the area where we live, in Higley and Warner, before we settled down in that area, uh, across the street where we live is a farm. And that farm, of course, they plant uh, corn. And then the other side, they just ha harvested it you know, on, the, on the side of Power Road and, and Warner. They just ha harvested it last, that just this past week. Now, my prayer in that area is, Lord, don't make this uh, area a residential one. <laughs> but you know what? Across our street where we live, if you go out and you leave our house, you will see huge houses now. Average prices of those houses is $350,000. We used to see the beautiful red mountain every time we exit our, uh, our area. Now, every time we exit, we see those huge, big houses. So farming is moving out from our town. You know, even though I'm not the one who's doing the farming, planting all those corns, my heart is really sad because I don't want to lose all those, you know, corns. I, it's, it's nice to see corns. Uh, but did you know that in Palestine, where Jesus lived, vine dressing was a prominent occupation. Although most people were not vineyard keepers, they were familiar with what that line of work. So in this environment, in the passage that we just read, Jesus made his last great I am statement. He said, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Now, vines were grown on terraces, and indeed, they required a lot of attention. A young vine was not allowed to bear fruit within three years. It was pruned drastically to develop a strong root system. So even after the vine began to bear grapes, it was still pruned. What was the reason? Because some branches would produce fruit while others were only sucklings that sapped the vine of its strength and productivity. I will, of course, in detail, verse by verse, we'll look at that process. So in this setting, Jesus gave a dramatic lesson about those who claim to be followers of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you claim to be a follower of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this I am saying of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, it's for us. This is what he said, of course, in verse 1, I am the true vine. A last seven I am declaration of Jesus it is recorded in the book of John alone. And so this I am from a proclamations, it points to the unique divine identity and purpose of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. See, I want for us to understand the word, it is unique. Because he is alone, is the true vine. I am the true vine. To the closest friends gathered around him, he said that. So it was only a short time before, of course, our Lord and Savior uh, would be betrayed by, by Judas. And Judas had already first left 
to do his infamous deed. He will betray our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's found in John 13, verse 30. And along with that, Jesus was preparing the 11 men left for the pending crucifixion, his resurrection, and also his subsequent departure for heaven. If you were here last Sunday, we talked about his second last saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You see, these disciples were worried because they were with Jesus Christ for three years, developing them, training them, because he will leave. And then the question is this, where are you going? We don't know the way. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Don't worry, because if I leave, I will prepare a place for you. You see, if that is an encouragement to them, this last saying of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is also an encouragement to them because he will not just leave them alone, but there is this condition that if you abide in me, I will continue to nourish you. I will continue to help you to be productive in the kingdom of God. I want you to put your position in, 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 the, in the shoes of these disciples. They were worried. What are we going to do? Without you, what will happen? And so he said, I am divine. Abide in me. So knowing how disturbed they would feel, he gave them this lovely metaphor of the true vine as one of his encouragements. And so Jesus wanted his friends, not only those 11, but those, of course, of all time, to know that he was not going to desert them. He was saying, you know what, don't worry, I will not desert you. Even though they would no longer enjoy his physical presence, his living energy, his spiritual reality would continue to nourish and sustain them as the roots and trunk of a grapevine produce the energy that nourishes and sustains its branches while they develop their fruit. And so Jesus wanted us to know this morning, even though we cannot see him, we are closely connected to him as the branches of a vine are connected to its stem. Now, our desire to know and love him and the energy to serve him will keep flowing into and through us as long as we abide in him. There is eternal truth in these passages or in these in this, in this verses that we are studying that we must really consider and also embrace. And, and as we consider these words, I want for us uh, to Think about eternal truth as we consider this declaration. I am the true vine. First thing that we uh, need to know, of course, it's very obvious, number one, that Jesus is the true vine. Why did the Lord mention the, the word true? Is there a false vine? Indeed. And so now, again, he is claiming his unique identity that he is the only true vine. Why? Because the vine is the means of life for the branches. 
Without the vine, branches are nothing. And so his claim is very true. The roots gather water and nutrients from the earth, and these flow through the vine and give life to the branches. Who are the branches? That's you and me. Later again, we will discuss it in detail. And so apart from the vine, the branches wither and die. No fruit will be produced on any branch that that detaches itself or broken off from, from the vine. I am the true vine, Jesus said. And so Jesus declared that he was the true vine. We must consider, of course, first the context of this. Why did the Lord again mention this word, I am the true vine? You see, uh, Jesus had lived and ministered in and around Jerusalem for some, of course, we know it's three years, three, uh, of course, uh, three years and a half, and revealing himself as the Christ. He and the disciples were in the epicenter of religious life for the Jews. Did you know that Israel is often called, in the Old Testament, it is called divine? As you read and as you study the Old Testament, uh, Israel is called as divine. Now, here, he and the disciples were in the epicenter of the religious life of the Jews. And so the Jews were zealous in their adherence to the law and felt as if they were doing what was required to be found acceptable to God. But Jesus now, in essence, declared to the disciples the other approaches. So you remember this, that the, that the Jewish people, they really do everything for them to be pleasing in the sight of the Lord. They were so zealous. But of course, uh, we, will, we will see here that uh, Christ came and telling them that what you cling on is not enough. It is inadequate. The Lord that, gave, that Moses gave, they will only point to you that you are a sinner. They will not make you saved. So they adhere too much on those laws, on things that were, of course, in the Old Testament. In fact, while I was studying this, I'm thinking about the, about the book of Hebrews. If you read the book of Hebrews, it's a book in which it is a comparison. The Old Testament uh, uh, worship, the Old Testament uh, uh, worship in the temple, all the things that they do, uh, the offering, the sacrifices, it is compared to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why uh, the summary of the book of Hebrews is Jesus is better than Moses, better than the law, better than the Old Testament things that they do. And so here in our text this morning, he alone, he said, I am the true vine. He is the sole means of salvation and reconciliation to God. And so the world, of course, would have us believe that all religions are the same. Oh, you know, we, all, we serve the same God. Uh, Allah, they just change it to Allah, it's the same God. Uh, you see, this world will make us believe that all religions are the same and that we all serve the same God. And, and we are all going to the same heaven. 
See, we are just heading that way on different paths. See, that, that's, that's, that's the teaching today. Okay? That may be popular philosophy, but it certainly isn't consistent to what Jesus Christ is teaching us biblically. And so Jesus is the true vine. If there is other vine that we need to connect, the Lord will not mention the word true. His uniqueness. But of course, he is clear, and it's not even debatable, that there is other way for us to be saved. It's only in Jesus because he is the true vine. Amen. He alone is the source of salvation and reconciliation to God. And so this morning, if you're still confused about where to go, how to get to heaven, there's only one way. There's only one true vine. His name is Jesus. Jesus Christ is very clear here that he is not promoting a religion, but he is promoting himself for us to have a relationship so that we will connect to his Father. Because without him, we will not be saved. Because he alone was crucified on the cross. Muhammad was not crucified on the cross. Buddha was not crucified on the cross. It's Jesus who was crucified on the cross. And that blood that flows from his body, the father said, oh, I am satisfied. Why? Because his blood is a pure blood that cleanses, not only cleanses, but takes away the sin in your heart and in my heart. Amen. He is the true vine. That's why he said, I am the true vine. There's a story about this. I read it. Some of you probably also read this about Billy Graham. Billy Graham was uh, in a town doing evangelistic crusade. But uh, there was a point in time that he needed to go to the post office. So while driving, he could not find and locate where the post office is. And so he... He pulled over and asked one of the bystanders along the street. And he asked this question, where is the way going to the post office? The guy said, you know where to go to heaven? But the way to the post office, you don't know? <laughs> you know what? There's a lot of way going to the post office, but there is only one way going to heaven. And I'm glad Billy Graham knows it. Amen. You should know it too. There is only one way going to heaven, and his name is Jesus, and he loves you so much. He died for you on the cross of Calvary. That's how he loves you. That's why he said here, I am the true vine. Secondly, not only we see that he's the true vine, but in verses 1 and 2 again, he said the Father is the vine dresser. So Jesus went on to describe the attentive detail given to the vineyard by, by, by the gardener. So he revealed, of course, this uh, thing that is involved. Uh, by the way, the word uh, vine dresser in other translation, they use the word husbandman. It refers to the vine dresser, the gardener, the one who has the uh, I want you to take note of this. He has the responsibility of, again, I want you to take a look at this, caring for the vineyard. 
He is responsible for carrying the vineyard. Jesus says that the Heavenly Father is the gardener. And I want for us also to take a look. The key phrase is in verse 2, the word in me. Look at verse 2, the word in me. Every branch in me, okay? Branch in me. that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So the word in me, I want you to notice. This let us know that we are dealing with genuine believers only. And so Jesus isn't speaking about those who profess Christ and yet never possess him. Oh, it's easy to say, I am a Christian. But take a look at their lives, their lifestyle. Is it Christian? That's why by their fruit, you shall know them. And he is not talking about a wheat and tares, but only wheat. See, the gardener is involved in everything that has to do with the vine. This verse now zeroes in on some specific duties of gardener in regard to the vine. First, Number one, we already mentioned it, protection. And that is, the gardener provides tender care, what's care and protection for the vineyard. Now, uh, think about this. Uh, in reading Proverbs 15.3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping what's on the evil and on the good. And so if your mentality is, uh, I will do this and, my, and, and the Lord doesn't see it. No, you're committing a big mistake because the eyes of the Lord are in every place. Aren't you glad that the Lord sees it all? I'm glad. Why? Because I, 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 I really praise the Lord for the sure knowledge that nothing passes the gaze of our Heavenly Father. There's even a, a scripture in, in, in of course, in, in, in the book of Matthew or in the gospel that even your very hair, he knows how many you have. Uh, of course, he, he's really sure if you are bald. He said, you have nothing. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that uh, even the writer of the New Testament, it talks about the details of the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so when you come to think about it, there must be confidence that, hey, Lord, thank you, you care for me. Thank you, Lord, that you are attentive to me. Secondly, not only God protects you, secondly, but there is also, he uses purifying. The gardener uses some primary methods of Purifying his vineyard, found in verse 2. Look at verse 2 again. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. I want you to follow along and pay attention in this verse, verse 2, because this verse 2 is really uh, a challenge for us. In fact, he, challenge, uh, he challenges you and me. He challenges the branch. And takes away means to lift up 
or to raise higher. And so this is the same word as pruning. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he takes away. Uh, first, Jesus revealed the delicate care to the branches that were not, you know, bearing fruit. They don't yield fruit. They don't bear fruit. And so I want you to keep in mind this, that these branches are attached, connected to the vine. And when you are attached, when this branch is attached to the vine, they are responsible for bearing fruit. And of course, it is expected to do so. And so Jesus declared that the Father takes away those branches that do not bear fruit. So this does refer, of course, to, re to, to removing the entire branch. That's not the idea, okay? As some, of course, would assume. So the root of this word has the idea, I mentioned it before, lifting up or raising. I want you to imagine a, a grapevine. That grapevine, of course, they grow, and sometimes those branches, they fall on the ground. And so... This makes great sense when, when we pause to consider it. Because, of course, branches grow too long and, and, and get encumbered in the dirt of the ground. And the gardener comes along, and also, when he comes along, he lifts them up, those branches out of the dirt and also out of the filth, removing them from the hindrance in order to promote fruit production. Think about this, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord. When there is dirt in your heart, when there is a filth in your life, if you are a true believer in the Lord, connected to the branch, the Lord will prune you. He will lift you up. The reason is so that you will produce fruit. Many times we allow filth in our hearts. We allow those things. That's why, you know, the dirt in our heart. You are true believers in the Lord. Expect pruning. It's because it will hinder you in your spiritual growth and in production, fruit production. In the context of this passage, taking away literally has the idea of pruning. And so the gardener does not remove the entire branch, but he prunes away the areas in the branch that have become diseased and no longer productive. And so by removing the diseased portion of the branch, it allows the branch to heal and become stronger. This is what I do on these roses in front of our church. If they if they give uh, flowers, beautiful roses, after a few more, few more days, they'll die down. What I do is for the roses to yield more flowers, I cut the old ones. Same thing with you and me, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord. We don't enjoy the pruning process, but it is necessary, it is vital, it is important at times in your life and in my life. The Lord must tenderly remove those areas from our lives that 
hinder your production and my production. On a personal level, this means that when we get to a place in our Christian lives where we are unfruitful and barren, well, the Lord will have us to reach into our lives. He will disturb your slumber. And He will lift us up in an effort to challenge us and shock us to the ground. So many times in your life, probably you experience something and ask the Lord, Lord, why is this happening to me? You need to go to the Lord and ask Him. Probably He's pruning you and you need to assess your life. If we respond with repentance, this is what happens. You will bear more fruit and glory goes to the Lord. Amen. Glory goes to the Lord. If, however, we choose to go down in our sins, the Bible says there is sin unto death. 1 John chapter 5, 16, read that passage. It's because if we continue to rebel against the Lord, if we continue to harden our hearts, in which a lot of warning, uh, the Lord will say to you, son, daughter, you don't listen to me, come home now. Has the Lord been challenging areas of your life? Is He challenging you right now? If so, do not run from His challenge. Instead of running from God, turn and run to Him. After all, His chastisement is always proof of His love. Amen. Because He will not chase an individual if He is not His child or children. Uh, he loves us. Why? Because we have a relationship with the Lord. Uh, JP is not your son. If he commits mistake, I'm the one who will chastise him. Why? Probably we will just tell me something about him. Same thing with your children. Your children did something, I will not chastise him. It's your responsibility because the child, that child is your child. Same thing with us as a father. The Lord will chastise you. Why? Because we have a relationship with the Father. Amen. You better listen to the pruning because the, the goal of the pruning is not for you to get discouraged, but for you to bear more fruit in the kingdom of God. Why? Because many people, they profess to be Christians and they are not bearing fruit. That's not Christianity. If you are truly connected to the vine, you will produce fruit naturally. There's no question about that. You will naturally produce fruit. Not only there is this pruning, but also our challenges, it, it tantamount to pruning. There is this, secondly, he cleanses the branch. And, of course, the idea of purging. That is, the gardener removed things from the branch that suffered vitality and strength. Things like, we call these sucker branches, useless buds, misdirected shoots, spots, discolored leaves. So anything that consumes life but produces no fruit, the gardener said, go. Must be, must be cut off. And so, verse 2, second part, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may, may 
bear more fruit. Now, what did you notice here? What did you notice here? You see, this branch is already bearing what? Fruit. It's not useless. It's bearing fruit. <laughs> it's doing its part in the kingdom of the vineyard. But you see, here, for them to bear more fruit, even though they're bearing fruit, the gardener prunes it. This is the, this is the idea of purging. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges in the King James Version, that it may bring more fruit. So this careful attention by the gardener is similar to the first. This actually involves branches that are uh, I mentioned to you, producing fruit already. So the gardener carefully purges the branch in order to allow to produce more fruit. And so this includes pruning tines, removing particular portions of the branch in order to make it more productive. It also speaks of cleansing. Cleansing literally purging the vine. So this may include removing a portion of its blooms, particular shoots growing out from the branch, and this may eventually produce fruit. But the fruit will be small and less desirable. Now, by purging the vine, the gardener assumes, assures there will be an um, this is enough for ample harvest, and the fruit will be full and desirable. I did plant one of the grapes I bought at Home Depot. And because I'm not really, I don't have any idea about vine dresser. I don't know. Uh, when they yield fruit, it's like, like this. <laughs> it's small. Uh, those people who really know how to uh, do this vineyard uh, farming, you know, they're experts. And they really, you know, that's why you enjoy those, those uh, grapes at Costco, Walmart. Why? Because... The gardener takes good care of them, and we enjoy them. This is the very idea here, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord. If you are fruitful and you are healthy as a Christian, other individuals, especially who don't know the Lord in their life, will enjoy life because of you. You become a blessing because of the fruit, rather than those dirt that we you know, we live on, we will not bear good fruit with those. That's why the gardener cleanses the branches. The Lord at times purges your life and my life, removing things we may consider, you know, desirable to produce more fruit. This purging may not involve areas that are sinful and rebellious. Of course, it is, it is given that sometimes and many times the Lord cleanses us. It's because we are rebellious and also we are sinful. But I want you to think along this line that many times those things that the Lord cleanses are not even sin and even rebellious, rebelliousness. They are character or attitude or probably things that you do are not even sinful that keeps you from growing and knowing the Lord and serving Him. It may be your talent. It may be your job. 
I'm not saying that you, you don't work anymore. What am I saying is many times those things are, are hindering us to bear fruit in the kingdom of God. And so let's be careful. So it is in the life of the believer. When we allow things in our lives that hinder our walk with the Lord, then we are in danger of pruning. Pruning by its very name sounds painful. And it isn't always easy to cut the junk from our lives. But if we do not, the Lord surely will notice. Notice the advice given in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. What is Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1? I want you to take a look uh, your, uh, at that in your scripture. Hebrews 12 1, and I read it. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by the great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So, he, so the writer of Hebrews, he used the the illustration of a runner. So when you run, you don't wear uh, long pants. You don't wear uh, heavy, heavy clothes. Why? Because it hinders you from running faster. So if you, if you will watch one, those people who, who, who run from, from that 100-meter dash, uh, their shirt is really short shorts, almost naked. Why? Because if they will wear a heavy short, a long short, uh, it will hinder them. Same thing with you and me, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord. What are those things that, you know, pulls you down in your spiritual walk with the Lord? Preventing you from growing. Preventing you from bearing fruit. But rest assured, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord, if you are connected to the vine, the Lord will cleanse you. You know what? Uh, first thing that the Lord will do when He cleanses you and me, he uses his word. He uses his word uh, by the word of God in verse 3. And so he uses all these things. And uh, first thing, uh, the Bible says, is like a mirror. The word of God reveals problems. When you read the scripture, it will reveal the problem that you are encountering in your life. Personal walk with the Lord. That's why James 1, 23, 24 said, uh, be hearers of the words. Not only... And be doers of the words, not only hearers. And don't, don't be like a person, you know, they, they, they face the mirror and after that they forget what's in their face. He, he, he uses the word to reveal problems. Now, the question is this. The Lord will not reveal problem in your life if you don't read the scripture. The only thing that we know that God reveals it to us, it's because we read the scripture. A true branch that is really connected to the vine, they read and meditate upon the word of God every day, not only during Sunday. If you're here this morning and this is your only spiritual feeding, do not blame me if you are not growing. I've been a pastor for how many years? 28 years now. And one of the reasons is this, that some said, leaving the church, I left the church because I am not growing in that church. Really? No, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord. Blame yourself. Why? Because I only see you 
every Sunday. And if your feeding is only here 10.30 until 12, you will not grow. If you only eat rice once a week as a Filipino, you'll die. Same thing with Christianity. If you only feed the word of God during Sunday 10.30, it's impossible for you to become a mature Christian and produce fruit in your life. I challenge you, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord. Be serious in your Christian walk with the Lord. We have a lot of resources here. We have prayer meeting. We have Friday Bible study. We have Saturday Bible study. And you, if you don't attend, at least sit down on your own. Read the Bible for you to grow. And when you think you're not growing, don't blame other people. Blame yourself. Because the word of God will reveal it to you secondly. Like a knife, the word cuts to the heart. <clears throat> it is indeed true. Probably you're saying it to me, Pastor naman, ang talim magsalita. Pastor is not careful about what he's saying. I'm getting hurt right now. I want to leave. This is the word of God, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord. It cuts so that you will be healed. Amen. When the doctor said, I, I need you to come back because I need to remove that appendicitis in your stomach. And you, we realize that it hurts. I will not go. If you will not go, then paalam. Hindi kita malilimutan. You'll die. The mere fact that the doctor will open you and it hurts so that you will get healed. Amen. The mere fact that the word of God is being preached to you in front of you right now, if you're hurting, the Lord wants you to be healed and be better in your Christian walk with the Lord. Don't, don't be upset with me. I am just a letter carrier. When I say letter carrier, those when somebody sends you a letter and you open it and say something, you don't get mad with Brother Norman. Brother Norman is a male man. Don't, don't, don't be upset with him. It has nothing to do with that. <laughs> the message. You know what? Uh, let's, let's, let's be mature. When we read the word of God and it hurts you, what is a mature response? Lord, thank you for speaking to me. That means your conscience is not yet hardened. Amen. You have still the ability to respond to the truth, and the truth really hurts. So the question this morning is this. How has the Lord been speaking to you through his word? If so, have you been heeding the call from the Lord? If not, again, I challenge you to allow the Lord to prune your life with his word. If that is not accomplished, then uh, this word, the word of God, this Bible, it is, again, soft. In other words, it's, it's, it's really, uh, uh, in a way, the word of God is just telling us that, oh, it's just like uh, holding a, a cat. Oh, oh, okay, it'll be okay, okay? That is his word. But let us not uh, consume 
the patience of the Lord. If you don't respond to this word, the Lord will take further and far more drastic measures. And by that, most probably, you will respond. And so, the branches is being purged, and that's cleansing. Now, number three, we'll take a look at verse 5 and, and, until verse 6. That the Bible says in our study, he said, I am divine, and, and, and my father is divine dresser. And here, he said, that we are the branches. Now, branches are the fruit-bearing part of the grapevine. So the term abide simply means to live. Don't, 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 don't complicate that one, okay? Because some popular Christian teachings touts that uh, the importance of trying, quote-unquote, trying to abide. But that is oxymoron. See, we cannot try to abide or live in Christ. We cannot try. I want you to understand this. We live in Christ. We don't try to abide. We don't try to live. The moment you accepted Christ, repented of your sins, you live in Christ. You get the idea? We don't try to live. We don't try to abide. We live in Christ. We cannot try to abide. So when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we are taken from Adam and put into Christ. We now abide in Him, listen to the word, forever. Abiding does not involve going ongoing effort. Instead, it's about our new permanent location in Jesus Christ. Just as you abide or make abode in your home, once you've moved in, that's where you live. So, we now abide Live in Him forever. Because you also abide in Christ, He said, I also live in you. Now in verse 6, in verse 6, Jesus states that anyone who does not abide or live in Him is like a branch gathered and, and burned. Here, here Jesus speaks of, I want you to understand, unbelievers. Okay? Believers do not need to fear being burned because we abide in Him now. And forever. So, in the New Testament, abiding in Christ is synonymous with living in Christ. So, this spiritual location is permanent and true for every believer always. If this is the case, why then Jesus commands his disciples? What was the command? Or what is the command? Abide in me and I in you. Did you get it? You read it? Abide in me and I in you. After all, this is an imperative. When we talk about the word imperative, it is a command. So if abiding is not something to sustain daily, then why does Jesus command the disciples to abide in me? Why is he commanding it to us, abide in him? Now, first thing we need to understand and note, okay? The term abide simply, of course, uh, to live means to live. So this command was given to the disciples before the cross, before the resurrection, and before the Pentecost. They do not yet 
abide or live in Christ. Why? Jesus must go away so that the Spirit can come. This is the paraclete saying chapters of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 14, 15, 16, this is the promise of the Holy Spirit coming to them. But it was not yet being fulfilled. And so this command was given to his disciples before the cross. They could not yet abide or live for him. Jesus must go away so that the Spirit can come. So at that time, the Spirit will indwell them and they will live and abide in him. Second explanation, this command is reciprocal that Jesus says, abide in me and I in you, verse 4. And so, is Jesus commanding himself to abide in us? Of course not. The point here is this. At the same time that Christ comes and abides in them, they too will abide in him. And so, this is a description of what we call salvation. For that reason, it is reciprocal. When you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, He dwells in you. He lives in you. We live in Him. Christ abides in every believer, and every believer abides in Christ. Uh, J.C. Ryle, this is his explanation about uh, abiding in Christ, in case you're wondering. I, I, I like his definition. To abide in Christ means to keep up a habit of constant close communication with Him. To be always leaning on Him, resting on Him, pouring out our hearts to Him, using Him as our fountain of life and strength, as our chief companion and best friend. To have His words abiding in us is to keep His sayings and precepts continually before our memories and minds and to make them the guide of our action and the rule of our daily conduct and also our behavior. I like, I like his explanation because, again, uh, the challenge for us here is this. We must be always available to the vine. If the branch will simply abide in vine, then the vine will most certainly produce its fruit. I don't know about you, but uh, this, it finds me, it's liberating. Why? Liberating in a sense that I am not required to do anything but to what? To abide. I don't exert effort to do something for me to abide. I just simply abide in the vine. Live a Christian life for his glory. Sometimes we Christians, we complicate it. It's a simply live for the Lord. Abiding. So it is the vine's responsibility to produce his fruit in my life. And that frees us from having to work and labor to get his approval. If we will yield, he will live through your life and mine. Uh, so when we speak of what uh, of fruit, what do you mean? What do you mean by the fruit? There are three basic fruits, and we will close in this and conclude in this message this morning. First fruit, we call it sanctification. This will be naturally will happen to you. Sanctification. What do you mean by the word sanctification? That is we become more like him. Check yourself. Do you resemble the image of God in your life? I like Ati Edna's song. This goes, fits in here. Because Romans 6.22 says, But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, 
You have your fruit to what? To holiness. You live a life of holiness. Sanctification. God is sanctifying you. God is making you holy. You see, first thing is justification. When we don't know Christ yet and accepted Him, we are justified. We are forgiven of sin. Second step is sanctification. God will make you holy in your Christian living. You see, those, those filth, those sins in your life, they're no more. Why? Because you are a changed person. That is the first fruit that is very evident in a branch that is bearing fruit. If there is no changes in your heart, this morning, if you're still in a state of sinning, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord, check it. Maybe you are not connected to the vine. Because a branch that is connected to the vine, there is first fruit sanctification. Secondly, there is this spirituality. That is, we become more like Him. We become more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hey, Pastor, how can I become more like Him? See, if the Spirit dwells in you, if the Lord lives in you, and He, he in us, and you in Him, the fruit of the Spirit is love, unconditional love. This is not, not conditional. This is unconditional. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, these things will be reflected in your life because they are natural fruit. Again, such things, there is no law. Thank you very much. Gracie. How's your joy? How's your peace? Do you have joy in your life because of what's happening? There's a big difference between happiness and joy. Happiness depends on happenstance, from the word happenstance. There's happening, there's party, I am happy. After the party, I'm sad because there's no more party. But joy remains in your heart. Why? Because it doesn't depend on what's happening. It depends on who you have in your heart. And that's Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Amen. So whether you have a problem, whether you are in the middle of your uh, uh, poor health, you still have joy. You can still smile. Smile, though your heart is aching. You can sing that song. Why? Because there is Christ in your heart. Amen? And, uh, spirituality. You will grow, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord. If you really are serious in your Christian walk, and peace, long-suffering. Uh, you see this word, long-suffering? That means, as long as we live in this world, there will be people who will discourage us. Even in your relationship, husbands and wives. But if you are a Christian, there is this long... I, I want you to know, to underline the word, long until death do you part. Okay? It's not the word divorce, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, oh, faithfulness, gentleness. And you know, we can, we can in detail do this, but we don't have time. Number three and last, souls. This is the most important thing also. That is, we are burdened like him. 
Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. Now, the Apostle Paul was called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And, and in here, of course, there is this burden that he needs to win more soul for the Lord. If you are truly connected to the vine, and you are a, a branch, you will have this longing burden to at least pray for your family so that they will get saved. You have a burden to share the gospel to your co-workers, knowing the fact that it involves eternity. And, and, and this is the one fruit that we need to really bear, winning souls for the Lord. If you are a truly believer in the Lord, you don't, need, you don't need to be a theologian. You don't need to go to the seminary to do this. Just share your life experience how you came to know the Lord. Because everything really boils down. When he said, I am the true vine, the Lord Jesus Christ knows that there are many people in this world who are still lost. And when he leads his disciples, Christ Expect them to bear fruit, and one of the fruit is to win, spread the gospel, so that people will come to know the Lord. Amen. Do you do this in your personal walk with the Lord? You know, every time you encounter people, don't be bold. Don't think about them being offended. The world, the Bible is really offending many times. But you know, graciously, lovingly share to them how you got saved. How you came to know the Lord. Put it this way. If the Lord will take your life today. And you are in heaven. People are dying. Will somebody. Welcome you in heaven and say. Hey. Thank you. You share the gospel to me. That's why I'm here in heaven. Now there should be a welcoming committee at least. At least one individual to you. Hey, I welcome you. Thank you for sharing the gospel to me. I am the vine. I am the true vine. And you are the branches. Lord expects us to bear fruit. Are you bearing fruit? Father in heaven, we thank you so much. Thank you for allowing us to learn more from your words today. Father, we admit many times we slumber. We, we don't bear fruit. We forget that we need to bear fruit. That's a requirement. And for us naturally to bear fruit, we need to abide continually in your word. Oh Lord, thank you so much for speaking to us in a very personal way. I pray, Father, that you help us grow more and bear fruit. And this morning, I want you to raise your hand. Hey, Pastor, I, I, I want to be serious in, in living for Christ and abiding in Christ. Will you raise your hand? We'll pray together. Thank you, brother. Are there any more? Thank you, sister. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any more? If there is something in your heart, this is the day that you really need to, to commit your life to the Lord. Will you raise your hand? I will not ask you to come forward. I just want you to raise your hand because God knows your heart right now. It's not about going up here. It's about 
you, you know, if you raise your hand and something in your heart, will you raise your hand? Pastor, please do pray for me. I want to apply the message today. Or if you don't know the Lord in your heart, it's impossible for you to bear fruit because you are disconnected to the vine. Will you connect yourself to the vine by accepting Him as your Lord and Savior? Will you raise your hand? Thank you. Thank God. Anymore. Thank you. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for those hands that were raised. You know their hearts, Father. And I pray, Father, that you continually give them the desire to grow more and bear more fruit. Father, thank you that you are our vine dresser. Thank you, Lord, for caring for us, for guiding us, for protecting us, and for making us more fruitful. For that, Father, we're so grateful. And so bless those hands, O Lord, that were raised this morning. For this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Closing song, let's all stand up. You're so good.
Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Father, for your goodness. Lord, we thank you that you are so good to us, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for this service today, Father, and for the message we just heard. And Lord, may it light a fire in our bellies, Father, to share your love with the lost and dying world. And Lord, I just pray that you would bless each home that's represented here today, Father. And Lord, to keep us safe until the next appointed time, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>